Praise the Lord. Thank you. You're so kind. Thank you for welcoming me tonight. I feel like a guest speaker in the house. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I trust for preaching strength tonight on this holy, hallowed eve. My, it's wonderful to see the children's choir, army of worshipers coming up, 50, 60 strong right now to lead us tonight. What a glorious night in the presence of the Lord. The word of my heart tonight is pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Reinhard Bonnke said the reason Christians don't pray is they don't know what they are up against. The reason Christians don't pray is they don't perceive what they're up against, the strength of the battle, the forces arrayed against them. The reason Christians don't pray is they don't know what they are up against. Leonard Ravenhill, prophetic voice to the last generation, he passed away in 1994. He was warning the last generation as he saw the church fall to lukewarmness, to casual Christianity. Evangelist and revivalist in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, he said these words, the Cinderella of the church today is the prayer meeting, but I'm so glad it's not true in this house of the Lord. When I was beginning in ministry in the early mid-70s, there wasn't a church in this city, Pentecostal Evangelical Church, that didn't have a prayer meeting. And today there's hardly one that does. The Cinderella of the church today is the prayer meeting. This handmaid of the Lord is unloved and unwooed because she is not dripping with pearls of intellectualism, nor is she glamorous with the silks of philosophy. Neither is she enchanting with the tiara of psychology. She wears the homespuns of sincerity and humility and so is not afraid to kneel. C.S. Lewis, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. Prayer doesn't change God, it changes me. I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time. 1 Thessalonians 5:17. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. What does it mean? Number one, keep coming to the church prayer services. Don't miss the church prayer services. If the church is praying, be here. Pray without ceasing. The corporate gathering of the saints, Sunday morning, 9.15 to 10. Sunday evening, 5.15 to 6 p.m. Tuesday, 7 to 8.30. Pray without ceasing. Let the church pray without ceasing. But two, it speaks of someone being in a constant attitude of prayer. Constant attitude of prayer. The word was used in classical Greek to describe someone with an incessant cough. You know, when someone has an incessant cough, they just can't help themselves. Every minute or two, they've got a cough. Well, I'm that kind of a Christian. I just can't help myself. Every minute or two, I've got to shoot out a prayer to God, lift up the name of a saint, call out on the name of the Lord, pray without ceasing. Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. Now about this time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass 
some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. This took place about 14 years after Pentecost, A.D. 44. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread, the days of unleavened bread, Passover, seven-day feast, a few days around it, there was a small window of opportunity. Ten days, 14 days for the church. Because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread, so when he had arrested him, he put him to prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him out before the people after Passover and execute him. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. The King James says prayer was made without ceasing of the church to God for him. Constant prayer. What was the church praying? They gathered in the home of John Mark's family, a large home where they could gather. And they gathered and they prayed individually in their homes and during the days. What were they praying? What was that church praying? Praying unceasing prayers. Lord, spare Peter's life. Don't let him be killed by the executioner's sword. Don't let him be taken out and beheaded like James was. Lord, minister to your servant in the prison. Strengthen him. Give him hope. Give him faith. Lord, we don't know how prison doors can be broken. We don't know how people under Roman guard can be set free. But you're the God of the impossible. We're asking for a miracle. We're asking for a, a deliverance. Don't let Peter die. We need his ministry. We need him in the earth to champion the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, don't let Peter die. Open prison doors. Lord, move in this situation. Verse 6, and when Peter, when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals, and so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And Peter came to his senses, and he said, I'm back in Jerusalem. I'm out of that jailhouse, and I know where the saints are praying tonight. They'll be at the home of John Mark. And Peter said, that's where I'm going, and then knocked at the door. There was no unbelief in the house, but disbelief. They couldn't believe Peter was at the door, but he was, and he came in for the night, and they were so encouraged and blessed one another in the name of the Lord. And then he slipped out of Jerusalem that night under the cover of dark. And for 20 more years, he carried the gospel in the known world of that day until his life was taken. He was martyred in Rome in the 1960s. Luke chapter 11, 5 to 10. 
pray without ceasing. Prayer without ceasing was made of the church to God for Peter. Luke 11, 5 to 10, Jesus said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, said Jesus, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, set aside the friendship. He said, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So Jesus says, I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus, teaching in this Luke 11 parable, the importance of persistence in prayer. The word is also translated importunity, shamelessness, insistence, boldness, sheer persistence. Jesus said, you keep on coming to your friend in heaven. Your father is your friend. You keep coming to him for loaves of bread because there are people in need in this life and they've come on their journey and they're weary and tired and their spirit needs life and their soul needs to be restored and their body needs to be healed. And if you will knock on heaven's door and ask for three loaves of bread, the supply of the father will be given to you because of your insistence, because of your shamelessness, because of not your brain, Rashness because of your boldness, because you want to help people in need. Three loaves of bread to meet the needs of spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body of man. Jesus taught us to pray unceasingly, unceasingly. Well, let's go to Acts 27. The Apostle Paul is heading out on a treacherous sea journey from the land of Israel to Rome. He's going to Caesar's court. For two years, he's been held in Caesarea, just on the coast of Palestine, 40, 50 kilometers west of Jerusalem. Caesarea, the Roman military seaport and headquarters. Paul had made one final journey down to Jerusalem after his third missionary or apostolic journey. And as he came to Jerusalem, the mob threatened him, and the Jews took hold of him. They despised the gospel of the grace of God that he preached throughout the world. They grabbed him. They held him. They wanted to kill him. They were beating with him, and all of a sudden, the Romans heard of the skirmish, and quickly they dispatched some soldiers, and they went down and rescued Paul and put him in custody. They didn't know what the tumult was all about. The Jews had some speakers come forward. Paul gave some defense. It seemed a matter of Jewish laws and customs, and so the Romans didn't really handle it at that point. Then the Jews threatened to kill Paul somehow, and under cover of night, the Romans 
escorted him out of Jerusalem to Caesarea on the coast of Israel. There were different debates, different inquiries, investigations and testimonies, but there didn't seem seem to be any crimes against Paul that were worthy of death. And the governor kind of set the case aside. He was wanting some bribes from Paul and his friends, and none were forthcoming, and Paul sat in Roman custody in Caesarea in the jail for two years. Then the administration changed, and again the case was brought to the fore, and there was debate, and people had charged Paul with certain things, and he gave the defense, and finally Paul, it seems, was a little belabored by the whole affair, and being a Roman citizen, he said, I appeal to Caesar. I want to go to the Supreme Court of the Empire. I want to stand in Caesar's court and have my trial heard. And because he was a Roman citizen, it was his right, and so arrangements were made. Acts 27, 1-12. And when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan Regiment. So entering a ship of Adramidium, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coasts of Asia. Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. Aristarchus, part of the apostolic team. Of course, Luke was there. He was writing the book of Acts. And the next day, we landed at Sidon. And Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. When we had put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus, just off the coast of Israel, northern Palestine. We sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea, which is off Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy, a great Alexandrian grain ship from the breadbasket of the world of that day, Egypt, loaded with wheat to be taken to Rome. The centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy, and he put us on board. When we had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty off Cnidus, the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of Crete off the city of Lycia. It's about halfway from Israel to Rome, Crete. Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, the fast referred to as the Day of Atonement, late September, early October on the Jewish calendar, 10th day of the seventh month, we'd say October 10th. The fast was over. Winter conditions were bearing down on the Mediterranean. Passing it with much difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of Lycia. Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. 
276 persons on board. The Apostle Paul said, I perceive in my spirit there's not only going to be the loss of cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, opening toward the southwest and northwest, and winter there. Verse 13, when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Euroclidon, a nor'easter. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive, and running under the shelter of an island called Clauda, we secured the skiff, the lifeboat, with difficulty. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship, that great grain ship, that cargo ship. They put huge frapping cables around the bottom of that ship, over the bow of the boat, passing in the back, tightening the ship down so it would not break apart in the storm. They needed cables. They used cables to undergird the ship and fearing lest they should run aground on the Sirtis Sands. They were drifting down toward North Africa, the sandbars, the deadly sandbars of North Africa. Lest they should run aground on the Sirtis Sand, they struck sail and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we should be saved was finally given up. Paul said, I perceive this journey will end with disaster, not only of cargo and ship, but of our lives. And now the report came. All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Oh, but verse 21. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Man, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted, God has given you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. After long abstinence from food, a man of God, Paul the Apostle, I'm sure Aristarchus and Luke joined him. A man of God on his knees, a man of God in fasting prayers. When that Euroclidon, that storm hit the ship, a man hit his knees and he began to seek God. He began to pray. He began to call out on the Lord. I can't imagine how awkward and difficult it must have been, that lurching ship, those pounding waves, that 
pounding wind. There's a man down in his cabin bracing himself against the storm and calling out on God, calling out on God, calling out on God for every person on board. He perceived that not one life would be saved. He said, Lord, I want every life on this ship saved. And he began to pray, and he began to pray, and he began to seek God. All hope was lost. They'd given up hope. All hope that we save would be saved was finally given up. But a hope is not lost when you've got when hope is a person named Jesus Christ the Lord. When you have your hope in Jesus Christ the Lord, hope is not lost. And hope is not lost when you've got a praying man of God on board the ship asking for the 276 souls. Long abstinence from food, the Bible says. Long abstinence. How many days is that? Well, we find out in the end that Euroclidon lasted 14 days. That powerful winter storm that came down on the Mediterranean, 14 days, but they didn't know how long it would last at that point. After long abstinence from food, that's more than two or three days, Paul. That's more than seven or eight days. You wouldn't call that long abstinence. Nine, 10, 11 days, that would start to qualify for long abstinence from food, fasting prayers, praying without ceasing, calling on God, claiming promises of the Lord. And on that night, the angel of the Lord stood by him. Said, why didn't the angel of the Lord come on night one or two or three when he was praying? Why nine, 10, 11, 12 days? of fasting prayers and seeking God and crying out for the souls of men and women on that ship. We don't understand. We don't perceive what goes on in the spiritual world. We don't know the battle. We don't know the clash. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes of the circumstances and the situations of our life. But one thing we do know, that this light affliction which we endure in this life works for us an exceeding weight of eternal glory. And we know that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. After long abstinence, after long abstinence, there was an angel. There was breakthrough. Breakthrough. You say, well, I, I don't like long abstinence from food. My, I hardly like to miss a meal. Well, I don't like long days of prayer, days and nights of seeking God because of a circumstance, because I need a breakthrough because I need an answer from God. I don't like long days and nights of seeking the Lord. Pray 30, 40 minutes. If I don't have an answer, I kind of leave, let things lie. Pray for a few days. If I don't get an answer, I fall into despair and let the whole thing go to the chute. Well, that's the difference. That's the difference. People who pray like the Apostle Paul, see miracles, and they have testimonies, and those who don't, don't. This is one of the greatest miracles on the pages of the New Testament. Salvation of that ship. Say, well, 
you know, God's our Father, God's kind. It would have all kind of worked out in the end, wouldn't it? The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible does not teach that at all. The Bible teaches that we must persevere in prayer, in the difficulties, in the circumstances, in the storms, in the battles, until we get breakthrough and an angel of the Lord comes with a word from God. What a night of deliverance. Instead of 276 persons dead, the report is 276 persons alive. 14 days of Euroclidon, 14 days of battle on the seas of the Mediterranean. And then all of a sudden, Paul had that report, and the next day or two, they, they sensed that they were nearing land. They couldn't recognize the land. They didn't know where they were, couldn't recognize the shoreline, but they realized where sailors said were nearing land, and they said, sent soundings, and sure enough, the, the, the depth of the ocean was decreasing. With that, the Apostle Paul gathered the 275, 276 along with himself, and he gathered them in the presence of the Lord. He said, we haven't had food for many days. He said, I want you to eat. He took bread. He gave thanks. He prayed. He blessed the 276 in the name of the Lord. He thanked God. He says, there will not one hair of your head perish. The God, the angel of the God of heaven stood by me. They cast anchors because it was night and then they unloaded the ship, cast all the wheat into the sea because they didn't want the weight of that ship going into the shore. We must run aground on a certain island, Paul said. And when day broke, they cut the anchors. But some of the sailors, under the pretense of securing the lifeboat, were trying to make their way of escape. Paul said to the soldiers, if those men try and escape by, the, by this cunning and take the lifeboat, their lives will not be saved. Lives of the ship will not be saved. And the sailors cut the ropes and let the lifeboat go. And they looked, and there was a bay with a beach, and so they let the, they let the ship run with the wind. They were going to make for the bay, make for the beach, but the ship ran aground, the Bible says, with a sudden thud where two seas met. And so violent was the pounding of the waves, waves that the stern of the ship began to be broken up. And when the ship fell apart, the people were cast into the water, and those who could swim swam to shore and those others on light on pieces of boards and other parts of the ship and so they safely made it to land 276 persons they were cast up on the island of malta just south of italy south of rome and the people of the region received them kindly it was raining it was cold it was winter and they set a huge fire and they warmed themselves at the fire they were courteously received they spent three months there over the winter and then went on to rome 14 days of Euroclidon. what a salvation what a deliverance pray without ceasing it's because of the prayers of a man down in the cabin that those lives were spared asking god for every soul on board pray without ceasing pray incessantly Pray 
violent prayers of the goodness of the Lord. Pray without ceasing and you will see heaven's supply. Pray without ceasing and loaves of bread will be given to you by the Father and you'll have finances for the kingdom and for people and for your family and you'll have the bread of healing in your hands and you'll have the bread of the restoration of the souls of men and women. Pray without ceasing and bread will be given to you. Pray without ceasing and prison doors will open. Peter bound under persecution, but there are people that you know, maybe relatives, maybe sons and daughters, maybe prodigals in the faith, people that are bound under chains of sin and darkness. Pray without ceasing and prison doors open and chains fall off and people are set free by the power of God. Pray without ceasing and you'll help people make it across the storm-tossed waters of life that they faced and they will be cast up safely on shore when the storm is over. Worship ministry, come. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Prayer without ceasing was made by the church of God for him. You know, I stand tonight in the blessing of the Lord, knowing the goodness of the Lord, knowing the hand of the Lord once again upon my family, upon my life, and upon my dear wife, Deborah. Many prayers. I know Deborah's alive tonight on the strength of the prayers of the saints. October 2nd, she had a sore throat. Saturday night, October 2nd, didn't seem to be much. Next couple days, wow, this is a pretty painful sinus infection. Prayed, called her doctor. Doctor said, well, it sounds like a sinus infection. Just, I'll prescribe you some antibiotics. But a few more days went by and I saw my wife become sicker and sicker, praying days and nights, couldn't sleep, praying God would touch her and heal her, raise her up, bad cough, deep in her lungs. Finally, October 12th, in the evening, early that morning, she was up about 5.15 in the living room. She went from the living room to the bedroom. She fell to the floor, fainted, collapsed. I went over to her, said, oh, Jesus. I knew how severe it was. A few hours later that evening, her blood oxygen was down 80% by the meter on her finger needs to be at 95, drops much lower, it's dangerous. I said, Deb, with all wisdom, we need to call the ambulance. She said, yes. They came to the house, they picked her up, they took her to the Sturgeon Hospital. She was in ICU within an hour on 80% oxygen to keep her systems going. Phone the next day, are the oxygen levels? Well. We need to get it up to 80, 85. Called the next day. How are the oxygen levels? 
We're pushing 90% tonight. Last night, the doctor started calling me then every morning, talking about intubation. Put a person into a almost comatose state, run the tubes down into the lungs, 90% oxygen, can't do it. We need to pressurize the oxygen. Need to intubate her, it looks... Nothing's changing. Six, seven, eight days have gone by. Nothing's changing. Doctor phoning me every morning. I said, doctor, please be patient. I said, doctor, you know that when people are intubated, many of them never come out. I said, by the time they're intubated and we intubate them for eight to nine days, he said their lungs are so damaged they can never recover. They never come out of that pandemic virus. I said, doctor, be patient. Praying, 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 calling on the name of the Lord. At times, the Spirit of the Lord, I was coming against the spirit of death. I knew how close to death's door my wife was. A friend of mine in this city went on to be with the Lord in the last two weeks. A minister friend I know in the last two weeks because of the pandemic virus passed on to the glory of God. I know of two pastors right now personally that are on full life support because of the pandemic virus. I said, Lord, we need a miracle. Have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. Fight against the spirit of infirmity. You've only got a window of time and Opportunity closes. Doctor called on a Friday morning. Said, Doctor, how, how are the numbers last night? Again, he mentioned intubation. I said, how are the numbers last night? He said, oh, let me look on the computer. He punched your name in. He said, 70%. That sounds better. I never heard from him again. And two days later, they were moving Deborah out of ICU. So sudden to turn around a breakthrough, a miracle from God. Many days and nights, many days and nights of prayer, calling on the name of the Lord, pray without ceasing. In the moment, you've got to be there. In the moment, you've got to call on the name of the Lord. And God in his mercy, others passed away, but God in his mercy spared my wife's life. And I, I fought that pandemic virus for 13 days in my own body. I know how cruel and vicious it is. I declare Cured 91 over the nations. I declare Cured 91 over the church. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High, Psalm 91, verse 1, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Yeah, I was praying. Church was praying. I got word seven days in on the Tuesday night. What would that have been, the October 19th? I know how you stood and prayed and called upon the Lord as the need was made known to you, and a wall of fire shot up around my wife, and the Lord brought her out of ICU. She needs her lungs healed. She needs her lungs fully recovered, but she's alive, and she's in good spirits, and she's set free on this side of eternity. I know how you prayed. I drive to the parking lot of the Sturgeon Hospital, pray by the hour, calling on God for a miracle. 
calling on God for breakthrough. Pray without ceasing. He that asks will receive. He who seeks will find. He who knocks, the door will be opened. I didn't know my sons Mark and Graydon and their families were coming, but then I saw them. And day upon day, the sons and their wives and their my grandchildren as they could, walking around the perimeter of that hospital seven times every day on a Jericho, Jericho march, calling on the power of God. My little grandchildren, I was in my vehicle, and I saw them, and they're following in the footsteps of their parents, and their hands are up as they're walking the hospital grounds. I said, Lord, you see the soldiers on the field. You see those boots on the ground. Some of our international leaders made the need known to them, apostolic leaders in different countries in Africa and India, and they went to prayer, prayer meetings in the evening, prayer meetings in the morning, calling on God day and night that our lives would be spared by the power of God, and the breakthrough would come. And the breakthrough came. And while others have gone on to the presence of the Lord, we stand alive today in the presence of the Lord. Thank you for the prayers of the church. Thank you for the prayers of the saints. Thank you for prayers without ceasing. God answers prayer. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Listen, pray without ceasing and you'll get loaves of bread from heaven. Pray without ceasing and you'll see miracles and prison doors will open and people on the storm-tossed circumstances and waters of life will be saved by your prayers and cast up safely on shore to live another day. Let's stand together tonight. Maybe the Lord's speaking to you. Tonight you need to take on some long abstinence from food. Say, I've got a need. I've got a situation. I need breakthrough. I need healing. I need deliverance in my family. I need the power of God. I need the word of the Lord. I need an angel to come. Those who pray see miracles. And those who don't, don't. Let's set our hearts to the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. If you need prayer tonight, you want to slip out from where you are and come to the front of this auditorium, stand in the presence of God. You slip out from where you are. Say, I need some prayer without ceasing. I need some holy prayers. I need some persistence. I need some boldness. I need some shamelessness. I need to get into the presence of God until I get a breakthrough, until I get answer, until deliverance comes, until miracle comes, until the power of God operates in my life and I'm set free and my family's set free to serve the Lord. Come and pray tonight. Stand in the presence of God. Commit yourself to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's lift up our holy hands and our holy hearts to the Lord. Jesus. Jesus.
Father God, Father God, pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit, Lord. Your miracle power, your healing, delivering power, your wonder-working power, your salvation, your strength. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, O God, and I will be saved, for you are my praise. He's our life and our length of days.